Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, he's a citizen with zero discipline. Here is the captain. It's good to be seen and good to see you, you filthy animals. Thanks for listening and thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring Big Toberfest from the good guys and girls over at the Big Brewing Company. Big Toberfest is a Mirzen style lager brewed to celebrate the great German festival of Oktoberfest. Break out your leader hosen and let's throw back some brews. Garage grade three and three quarter bottle caps out of five. And let's give some cheers to our good garage friends. First up, a big time cheers and thank you to katie z in dallas texas and a big shout out to two sisters in kentucky sydney and a special we like your jib to jessica next up we have elisa in burke virginia and a big cheers to gina in nazareth pennsylvania and we have one more for the lone star state here's a cheers to matthew d in kingsland texas and we have donnie and sharon somewhere in parts unknown And last but certainly not least, we have Nicole in Queens, New York. Thank you to everyone who went to TrueCrimeGarage.com and contributed to this week's beer fund. Yeah, help us out with that beer run. B-W-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. Go to our website, click on the little beer fund, leave us a little tip. Support the show, keep the lights on. Keep the suds a-flowing your move all right that's enough of the business everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime
My name is Brandon Woodruff. I'm 31 years old. I was arrested for capital murder in the deaths of my parents, Norman Dennis Woodruff, and I did not commit this crime. I'm innocent, and I really hope that people that are watching this, if you will just know anything at all, I hope that you'll know that I did not kill my parents. I would never even hurt them. They were really, really good people to me. They raised me well. They loved me unconditionally. No matter what, they always would um, be there for me. They had, they had a love for me and my sister and our whole family of an unconditional love, no matter what it was. I got a grandmother that really loves me. She's behind me. I just want all of y'all to know that I did not kill my parents. I just want y'all to know that my parents were very, very good people. They were very, very well liked. They did not deserve what happened to them. They did not deserve to be taken away from me, to be taken away from my sister, to be taken away from our family. They should still be here to this day, and the real people that really did this should be in prison and not me. I really think the investigators should really look at this case. I think that they should reevaluate it and look at possible other people because right now they're getting away with, with what they've done. I would just want to thank everybody watching. I want to thank any help that I could get further my cause to prove my innocence. I really, really, really hope one day to be able to get to hug my grandmother, to be with my family where I should be. I really hope that justice prevails. The state of Texas says Brandon Dale Woodruff murdered his parents, Dennis and Norma Woodruff, inside their home in Royce City, Texas, on or about October 16, 2005. Both Dennis and Norma died as a result of gunshot wounds and multiple stab wounds. The murders were brutal and the crime scene, of course, not a pretty one. But before we get into the investigation, Let's give some very necessary background information. Dennis and Norma were high school sweethearts. They both grew up in Texarkana. That's on the Texas-Arkansas border. The two married about a year after they graduated from high school. This was way back in 1982. So they were married for over 20 years before their deaths. And they were described by others as best friends and very lovey. Both went on to earn a degree from Southern Arkansas University, Dennis in electrical engineering, and Norma in accounting. After college, they moved out to the Lake Hubbard area, just about 25 miles northeast of Dallas, Texas, where the two both got good jobs putting their schooling to work, and they started a family. Their firstborn was a daughter, Charla Annette Woodruff, born in August of 1985, and then a son, Brandon Dale Woodruff, in September of 1986. Dennis lovingly most times simply referred to the children as the girl or the boy. In the mid-90s, the Woodruff family stayed in the same area but purchased and moved into a nice ranch-style three-bedroom brick home sitting on a little more than two acres of land. They had a decent-sized outbuilding that they called the barn. I think it looks a little more like an unattached garage. 
It seems like a fair statement to say that a sibling rivalry developed at a fairly young age. And later, when questioned by police, Charla and Brandon would give differing opinions of what they thought of each other and their relationship as big sister and slightly younger brother. Brandon's sounds a little more polite and seems to take the live and let live approach, where on the other hand, it seems like Charla had some um, some disagreements and some grudges held against her brother. Their mother, Norma, was the outdoorsy type. She grew up on a ranch and did the ranch-type things, which meant raising animals, working the land, and getting her hands dirty. Dennis seemed to prefer indoor activities. Both Charla and Brandon were involved with 4-H and Future Farmers of America. And, well, let's face it, it's not just the kids when you're talking about something so involved as 4-H and FFA. It's really the whole family that is involved. But Brandon really seemed to have a natural ability and talent for raising and taking care of animals. And yes, Captain, they were equestrians, or as we like to call it here in the garage, they are horse people. So when it came to horses or animals in general, many have said Brandon has a gift for working with animals. As Brandon got older, he became a cowboy, always outside, riding horses bareback or out on the barn working. When he was about 16, he got a job at a local feed store where he was not only very hardworking, but also very well-liked. At high school, he ran with a group of kids that were referred to as the shit kickers. Other dudes that were involved in 4-H, future farmers of America, raising livestock and dressing like cowboys. Yeah, better to be called the shit kickers than the shit lickers. The guys he hung around with the most were Mike Etherington, Joe Hageman, and Dusty Perry, who mostly went by the nickname of Perry. It seems like Brandon's parents didn't care much for Mike, as there were some local rumors that he was someone that was kind of up to no good, but never really caught for anything. Brandon was outgoing. Both he and Charla were attention seekers, and Brandon at times could be a bit of a show-off. His senior year, he was voted by his classmates as the student with the most school spirit. Now, we mentioned the differences in opinion between Charla and Brandon regarding their sister-brother relationship, but there was also a very difference in opinions with the relationship each had with their parents. Charla says she had a lot of problems with her parents growing up and that her father, Dennis, had a real bad temper and sometimes discipline bordered on almost abuse. Right. Brandon says, yes, they were disciplined like most children would be, but that not only was Charla's description not his experience, he says Charla is a drama queen and dramatically overstating the family situation. If there was trouble in the home growing up, it may have stemmed from Charla. There is an incident when the parents called police because she physically attacked her father. And it sounds like she was quite physical with Brandon at times as well. Friends of Dennis and Norma called Charla a problem child. Now, I do want to point something out here, and I'm not super clear on the details of this, and I don't think that they are necessary, but 
Charla was abused when she was young. The abuse did not come from mom or dad. It was sexual abuse. So drama queen or problem child, whatever these labels mean, right. keep in mind that she was a victim and there's a great deal of trauma involved. And often with sex abuse, especially at a young age, there's a lot of confusion. And that has to be even more difficult to deal with all of that as you're becoming a woman. Well, and just the punishment from your father, maybe the son is able to take the punishment a little bit more. Maybe she was not going to stand for that. So when they go, well, she was violent with the father, I'd like to know what context that was in because if he was trying to discipline her, was she really being violent towards him or was she really just defending herself? Charla attempted suicide in her teen years. Uh, this incident involved a gun. Now, thank God the gun did not go off for whatever reason. Now, for Texas folk, the Woodruffs were not much for guns. And it looks like at the time of the young lady's suicide attempt that there was only one gun owned by the family. And immediately after this event, and very intelligently of this good man and father, Dennis gets rid of the gun. You can't have that situation in the house when it's putting right. people in harm. Right. So the Woodruffs had some money troubles, and so did Brandon as an adult. And it's important, as we will see, this is the reason that Brandon's parents were in the process of moving during the time when the double homicide was committed. Brandon was in his first semester of college. He is attending Abilene Christian University, or ACU for short. And ACU is not cheap. And the school itself has quite strict rules as well. Brandon is supposed to, like, even, let's say they don't have class on the weekend, right? Class is Monday through Friday. If he is going to leave campus, he has to have his parents call in and get a Approved dismissal from campus. So it's not like a normal campus where you can just come and go as you please. Yeah. A lot of the colleges, as you know, captain, they don't even care if you show up to the classes, as long as you pay, mm -hmm. nobody really cares what's going on here. They had very strict rules as to curfew and things that you typically may not see on most college campuses because of this. Look, most kids when they're 18, 19, pretty irresponsible. And when you first get out on your own away from mom and dad, you might be exploring who you are or out partying a little too much. Brandon was missing and failing a lot of his classes. Now, Brandon, nobody argues this. He is a smart guy, so it's not an intelligence thing. I think it's more likely that it's a lack of maturity on Brandon's part. Yeah, or lack of effort. Right. He's failing and dropping classes because He's choosing not to attend these classes. Mm -hmm. He's often leaving, whether it be excused, approved or not, for the weekend. And there's a, there's a club that he likes to go to that is all ages. It's like 18 and up. So I guess not all ages, but 18 and up on Sunday nights and on Wednesdays. He and his friends are typically going to this club late on Sunday nights party until the wee hours of the morning and he's therefore missing a lot of his Monday classes 
and he's getting in trouble for not being on campus. The way that this works, Captain, is after he misses several classes, they drop him from the class. Right, and he's probably not telling his parents because then his parents would expect him to come home, but he wants to go out and party with his friends. And when we say party, the word party has a weird you know, definition depending on who you ask. Party. Right. Yeah. The captain and the colonel, usually that means probably a good, not just hanging out with friends, but a good amount of drinking going on. And drugs. Yeah. And uh, whatever. And uh, hookers. Not so much. But mm. anyway, the, the story here is that Brandon does not seem to be much of a drinker and he's definitely not into drugs. So when we say party, he's out dancing and that sort of thing. So is it because he's going out partying? I mean, he's not spending money on booze. So you said he had money troubles. Yeah. I don't know an 18 or 19 year old that doesn't, but right. I'll give you the skinny of it. So what they or whomever is calling money troubles, this is what I could find in September of 2005, Brandon got a city card with a limit of $2,500 on the card. He maxed it out in one week. Then Later that same month, he got a Capital One card with a $1,000 limit and maxed it out in less than two weeks. Okay, question What's in your wallet? Do we have context for any of this? Because I think my first credit card was $1,500, and it was maxed out the first day I used it, but I was buying school books. Yeah, these were not school books that were purchased. It looks to me like a lot of this was... Clothing, electronics, and um, restaurants. He was known to be fairly generous with his friends, often offering to pay. Well, it's pretty easy to be generous when it's not your money. (laughs) Right. And that's where I think some of this stems from. It's, you know, it's nice to be generous, but he's really just being frivolous with the, with these uh, credit cards. Again, Abilene Christian University is expensive. It's not cheap. How's he going there? Well, he has some help from his parents. He has a $500 scholarship that he earned from 4-H. And he has $7,500 in student loans. He gets a $1,300 tuition refund. This is because he's missing the classes, so they dropped him from those classes. They're nice enough to say, all right, we're going to refund some of your money since you're not taking those classes anymore. Again, this was $1,300. He spent all 1300 of that cash rather than giving it to his parents. And it seems that this caused some kind of feud between him and his father, Dennis. So that that's where I would go and say, okay, that's money trouble to me. Then the weird thing about the scholarship and this is something that we should note is that the $500 4-H scholarship seemed to cause a bit of a feud between Norma, his mother, Brandon's mother, and Norma Etherington, the mother of Mike Etherington, who was once Brandon's friend. I don't know the details of why there was this feud between the two of them over this $500 scholarship, maybe... Mrs. Etherington thought her son was supposed to be getting it or deserved it more than Brandon. I don't know, but that is what has been reported. Uh, Dennis and Norma Woodruff 
they had money troubles of their own. Now, they made pretty good money. Together, they made about $125,000 a year, but they had $300,000 in credit card debt. So they sought the help of a credit counselor. In September of 2005, Dennis and Norma bought a double-wide manufactured home at 5545 County Road 2648 in Royce City, Texas. This was at the advice of their credit counselor. And this makes a lot of financial sense because their home where they were currently living before making this purchase was in Heath, Texas. And they were spending about $1,400 a month plus the property tax for that home. The double wide was only $500 a month plus the property taxes as well. But given the area of the double wide, the property tax was much, much less there than in Heath, Texas. But as far as the credit card debt goes, his parents have tons of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. It's not maybe something that they sat down and taught him how to be bad with credit cards, but it's something that he obviously saw his parents do. And so that's probably another reason why it wasn't that big of a deal to him. Yeah, this is something he may or may not have known anything about. I find growing up, my own personal experience has been when I got to be like in my thirties, I have friends complain, man, my parents are way in debt and you had no idea growing up. Right. You just think that everybody's parents makes real, they make good money and they make good spending decisions. It sounds like with their spending with Dennis and Norma, what most of the friends and family say is they we're all about being good parents and trying to give their kids whatever the kids needed or wanted. And so it's generally thought that they spent a lot of this money on their children, raising them. And this is credit card debt too. It's a slippery slope, man. Like you start getting a little bit behind or you get high interest and that debt really starts to pile up very, very quickly. And then at some point, it's like you don't want to even pay for it because you know you're not even paying for that item anymore. You're just paying for interest. So this double wide is going to save them quite a bit of money every single month. So it's a very smart move financially, but it's also not like a penalty. It, you know, they're not being, they're not putting themselves in financial jail here. Norma was kind of looking forward to this move because the property at the new place would be on five acres of land. And plus they own horses and they're boarded somewhere else. So by having this extra land, they they'll be able to board their own horses, which should save them quite a bit of money. Yes. So this, this whole move and everything makes a lot of sense. Now we did fail to set up one very important thing in this case. Maybe it's important. Maybe it's not to me. But for the storytelling purposes, there are a lot of people that will tell you that Brandon was convicted simply because he is a gay man. He lived most of his life up until sometime in high school where he was not openly gay. He had girlfriends. He hung out with these shit kicker guys. He was referred to as a cowboy. Well, when he starts to change his lifestyle a little bit or realize who he is, the shit kicker buddies don't 
take too kindly to Brandon's new lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And we'll get more into this as we go, but it's important to know that from now on. And now that he's in college, we kind of have two things going on here, Captain. Some will say that Brandon was leaving that Brandon was living two lives, that one was this secret gay life. Where from what I could see, yeah, it appears that he had two sets of friends and that he was doing two sets of activities that were different from one another. But I don't know that I would say so much that he had a secret life. Right. It actually appears to me that he's in the process of coming out and he's kind of doing it casually and maybe slowly. He's still a very young man, probably still figuring out who he is and what he wants out of his life. Brandon is, though, weird about the new house. I did find this to be quite strange. This was something that he had stated. He didn't like the location of the new house, and he didn't like the double-wide house itself. He is on record having told family and friends that he would never spend a single night in that house. He wasn't planning on ever living there. In fact, he would never spend a single night in the new place. At the time of the homicide here, Captain, the Woodruffs still have both properties. They have the new property that they recently purchased, and they have their home, their old home in Heath. They are moving from one house to the other. The Woodruffs are sp- the Woodruffs are staying the night at the new house, night after night, slowly moving in. Their plan is, once they're out of the house in Heath, that they will either sell it or rent it out. Well, and maybe he just felt bad for his parents and thought it was a little bit of a downgrade from what they were used to. I think that he thought that it was hillbilly-ish, that it was a double wide in what he referred to as Hickville, out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he's now becoming more of this big city kid. He's spending his weekends in Dallas out clubbing with this other set of friends. The thing that we have to keep in mind, and one thing that is very important to this case, is knowing that they still have both of these properties. They're in the process of moving, yet they are staying in the new place. Now, Brandon is helping them from time to time when he's not away at college. He will help them move things from the Heath house to the new house. But when he is helping mom and dad, he is often crashing and sleeping at the Heath house. They still have some animals there. He's helping to take care of them as well. But this is really a slow moving process of filling up Norma's truck or Brandon's truck and one load at a time moving to the new home. We also have to keep in mind too, both of their children Charla and Brandon are both off to college at this point. So they're kind of downsizing their empty nesters for the first time in their marriage. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, 
science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious 
from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. For those who do not like to drink, just shake your booty a little bit. Shake your booty a little bit. Well, we went through a lot of the events that were going on in August and September of 2005. On Tuesday, October 18th, 2005, at about 4 p.m., Dennis and Norma Woodruff, they would be found dead, having been murdered inside their home in Royce City, Texas. Let's go through the events that lead up to that horrific discovery to see who might be responsible for the double homicide or the very least who should be on the suspect list. Right. On the weekend of Friday, October 14th, Brandon will be on an approved leave from the ACU campus for the entirety of the weekend. This is his father. Dennis called in, said, Hey, my son wants to come home for the weekend and the college approved this leave. He will need to be back in time for whatever classes he may have scheduled for Monday. Brandon drives an older Dodge pickup truck, and this detail is quite important to the case as well. On this Friday, Brandon gives a ride to a fellow student that he does not know very well. His name is Robert. Robert is going to Denton for the weekend. This is a suburb of Dallas, so not entirely out of the way for Brandon. Brandon dropped Robert off at his girlfriend's place in Denton on Friday night fairly late. The deal was Brandon would pick Robert up at this same location on Sunday evening, and then the two of them would go back to ACU, to the campus. Brandon spent most of Saturday helping out a longtime friend. Her name is Morgan Lee. Morgan Lee, it said, was Brandon's one-time girlfriend. The two stayed very good friends after the relationship was over. That night, he hung out until the wee hours of the morning with some of his club friends. Again, we are on Saturday. Sunday, Brandon wakes up. He is at the Heath house. Remember, he said he won't stay at the new place. Right. Now, even though he won't stay the night at his parents' new place, he does go over there and he helps with things like unpacking and getting the new place all set up. A little after 6 p.m., 
Dennis Woodruff picked up a pizza for the three of them for dinner that Sunday night. This is Brandon and his parents, Dennis and Norma. They're going to have dinner at the new place. After dinner, Brandon left the new house and drove his Dodge truck to the horse stables to drop off some medication for one of Norma's horses. He then drove to the family's Heath house. And that was because he says he has permission to drive his mother's truck. Okay. The parents have three vehicles. I have a description of two of them. One of them is a big, fancy, newer Silverado Chevy truck. It's got leather interior. It sounds like it's fully loaded. They also have a Toyota Camry. And then the third vehicle I do not have a description for. But two of the vehicles are at the new house. And this big, fancy, nice Silverado is at the old Heath house. His Dodge truck is not in great working order. It's an older truck with a lot of miles, like 140 or 150,000 miles on it. Because he's been having some trouble with the vehicle, with his vehicle, he says he was given permission by his parents to drive out to the Heath house, take care of the animals there, leave his truck, and take the nice Silverado back to the college campus and keep it for a few days while his father, Dennis, figured out what is wrong with his Dodge truck. So Brandon is on his way to drop off the medication to the horses. And I'm assuming here, Captain, that this next event takes place after that medication is dropped off. So at 7.36 p.m., Brandon calls his mother. This is according to phone records. There was some a message that he needed to relay regarding her horse or one of her horses. That's why I'm assuming that this is after he dropped off the medication for the horse to right. the stable. Yeah. From there, Brandon has about a 30-minute drive to the Heath house. I've seen this listed as short as 23 minutes and as long as 30 minutes. The problem for Brandon will become that his timeline does not match up with some of the other people's statements in regards to his timeline, meaning that there's some minutes and maybe hours that he is unaccounted for to give him the benefit of the doubt. I am going to use the longer time frames that are listed for all of these events. Okay. So we will say we'll go with the longest one that has been stated that it's about a 30 minute drive from the stable to the Heath house where he has the family's animals to take care of. It's also been stated that they estimated that this task of taking care of the animals, feeding them, letting them out and such at the Heath house would require about a half an hour to take care of all of these animals. We don't know what time Brandon left the Heath house in the Silverado. That's always been in question. And that in part is why Brandon is sitting in a prison cell today. Right now. Remember Robert, the schoolmate that Brandon was scheduled to pick up on that Sunday. Mm -hmm. Brandon spoke with Robert around six o'clock saying that he would pick him up in a few hours. 
The weird thing here, Captain, is Brandon's already late. It sounds like, according to Robert, that they had originally scheduled Brandon to pick him up between 5 and 6 that day. So we're already running late on picking up Robert. Right. But he's doing some errands for his parents, so that makes sense. Yeah, he may not have known that he needed to do all of these tasks. And then to top that off, look, Brandon loves this Silverado truck. It's fully loaded. It's a million times nicer than his. Yeah. He very likely did not know that his parents would be generous enough to let him borrow it for a couple days while his truck that doesn't run so good would be out of commission. One is a good reason to be a little late. Oh, if I'm a little late, I get a way better vehicle for the next week. I'll take that trade any day. And again, the Silverado's at the old house. So there's no getting that vehicle without going to the old house. So you're you're right there lockstep with me, my friend, where we can we can see the reasoning for him being late at this time. Robert calls Brandon around well, not around. I have the exact time. 9.49 p.m. This is because Brandon was still not there yet to pick him up. Brandon asked if Robert could catch a ride and meet him at the Denny's. This is not to get anything to eat. It's just meet me in the parking lot at the Denny's. It's about a halfway point from where you are, Robert, and where I am. We're already running late. This is going to save us some time. Around 11 o'clock, 11 p.m., Brandon is at the Denny's. This is at 9009 Skillman Road in North Texas. Again, he's running late. He's been running late all day long, and now he's even later than expected. Robert says, all right, I met you at the Denny's, but you were still late getting here. What's the problem? Brandon says, I'm late because I got lost. That's as much detail as we have of, of an explanation as to where Brandon was. Right. Before going back to the college campus, Brandon and now Robert, who's riding shotgun, Brandon decides, hey, I want to go out. This is Sunday night. I go to these clubs that are all ages or 18 and up, and I have my group of friends that I go with. Robert, do you want to go out and go clubbing before we go back to the college campus? Robert agrees to do this, and so now they are going to go to a guy named Alex's place and he is in Plano, Texas. And from there, a group of guys, including Robert and Brandon, will go clubbing, and they leave for the clubs a touch after midnight, according to everyone. And they're back at campus by Monday morning. Now, Monday was a pretty typical day for Brandon. He hung out with his friends at college, went to lunch with several of them. This is followed by Tuesday, which again was typical. Both of these days, normal days with the exception of a few things. One, Brandon's sister, Charla, called him and said that she had been unable to get in touch with their parents. She is away at college as well. She's a junior at Southern Arkansas University, roughly a three-hour drive from the Royce City House. She lives on campus in an apartment with some roommates. She's in a sorority. She's working a part-time job. Busy girl. And she's got a horse of her own that is boarded nearby her campus living situation. Mm -hmm. She's calling and saying, look, I speak with our parents daily while away at school, and I haven't been able to get a hold of them. This is on Monday. Brandon tells her, 
I'm supposed to have a call with them sometime tonight. So she's calling Brandon Monday evening. Been trying to get a hold of mom and dad since 11 p.m. the night before, Sunday night. Right, which is odd. Right. She says it's even more odd because I not only do I speak with them daily, but this was a scheduled phone call. Right, the, but you, but we know that they're moving and they're doing some stuff, and at some point they have to get their horses moved. So there is a lot on the parents' plate. Is it possible that they just fell asleep early? Not so weird that you can't get a hold of them during the day because there'd be two different locations they could be at or obviously work. But come that second day, you're going, okay, something's up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's going to be some phone calls that were made by the Woodruffs, and I mean the parents, Norma and Dennis, on Sunday night that will help us really kind of hone in on what time frame we should be really looking at here. But this scheduled call that was to be at 11 p.m. on Sunday, the way that this works, Captain, is Charla was away visiting extended family on Sunday evening. She is at her grandmother's house. This is Norma's mother, her mom's mom. While she's there and the grandmother says this is right around 9 p.m., she is on the phone with Norma with Charla's mom to which she says to Charla, would you like to speak to your mom? I got her on the phone. Charla says, no, I will call them when I get home. So that's the, what I mean by the scheduled call of 11 PM that night. Right. Brandon tells Charla on Monday evening, don't worry about not being able to get a hold of them as he is expecting a phone call from mom and dad between 10.30 and 11 p.m. that night on Monday. He says, I'm sure it's nothing. I'll talk to them later tonight, and after I get off the phone with mom and dad, I'll give you a call. So that way, Charla will know everything is all right. She's just unable to get a hold of mom and dad for whatever reason. Right. Charla says that she never heard back from her brother that night. He doesn't call her like he said he would. That's suspicious. She says that she went out with some friends that Monday night, and she does say that she kind of forgot about the call from Brandon. Okay, so it's possible that he called and she just didn't answer. No, I don't think that it is, because they've really tracked down a lot of the phone records. <laughs> or, But what is he saying? Is he saying he called and it's just not registered anywhere? No, it's... I couldn't find it to be registered anywhere. I don't know that he said that he was going to call her. Those are Charla's words. Right. But she goes on to say she kind of forgot about the call, but never heard from Brandon that night. She goes out with some friends. Again, she's in college and she admits she went out and got pretty drunk that night. When she gets home that night, she's now concerned She's like, oh, I still didn't hear from mom and dad, and I didn't hear from Brandon. So a little buzzed or, you know, drunk as she put it, she's kind of drunk dialing mom and dad at two or three in the morning trying to get a hold of them. She said she, at this point, didn't care if she woke them up or she didn't care that she was drunk and they would probably know it, you know, from her calling at that that. Yeah, I mean, at that point, 
who cares? And, and your parents would understand. Like, look, I couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of you. I called my brother. He was going to try to get a hold of you. I never heard from him. I don't want to drive all the way out there, so I'm calling. Thanks for answering the phone. Go back to bed. Talk to you in the morning. I couldn't get an exact number here, Captain, but it sounds like she called them three or four times that night and sometime in the hours of 2.30 to 3 in the morning. Again, no luck. Mom and dad don't pick up the phone. Their phone system is something we should discuss as well because the way that it sounds to me is that they have three numbers, okay? They each have a cell phone, and the home, the new house, has a telephone number as well. From my understanding, and they used a term for this, and I failed to put it in my notes, but if you call, let's say you call the house, it will ring to all of their phones. All right, right. Or if you call mom, it will ring to all of the phones. And whoever like picks just, up first, yeah, the it's rings. Just, it's just call, uh, call forwarding. Okay. So that makes it even a little more strange, Charla says, and I'll back her up on this. I agree with her that it's difficult. She should have no problem getting a hold of mom and dad with that type of phone setup. And it sounds like the Woodruffs had that mainly because they have two kids. Who knows what they may need and when they may need it. Right. So you're just telling me that she tried to call them once when she was drunk dialing. And like you say, three or four times is Charla's statement. And I think there are some, not that I think there are phone records that back up that statement. And she also called call. her brother and, and he never got a hold of him either. Right. So now we're, we're to Tuesday, October 18th. That morning, Charla does not have any classes scheduled, so she's got the the day free. She's going to spend a good deal of the morning trying to get a hold of her parents. She says that at some point, around lunchtime, she tries calling her parents at their work. This is when major fear sets in. She learns that her parents, who both had good jobs and both were very professional people, they were both absent from work a no-show at work. Both missed work on Tuesday, and both of them missed work on Monday as well. And even more alarming, neither of them notified their employer that they would be absent. Charla notifies her aunt of this situation. Now, the aunt is Norma's sister. She's been trying to get a hold of Norma as well. Nobody can get a hold of these people. Yeah, the aunt's name is Linda Matthews, and probably at this point you're probably thinking they should call well they should call a wellness check with the police. Right. So what we have going on here, Captain, is just that. We have and this is from some court documents, so forgive me if it sounds a little legally. <laughs> uh, Todd <laughs> Williams told deputies that on October eighteenth, two thousand and five, at approximately three fifteen in the afternoon, he received a phone call from Linda Matthews, the sister of Norma Woodruff, asking that he go by their residence and check the welfare of Norma Woodruff and Dennis Woodruff. Todd Williams stated that Linda Matthews had attempted to call her sister and never received an answer when she called. Todd Williams stated that he Todd Williams stated that Linda Matthews gave him Norma Woodruff's address. He asked his friend, Ron Allen Merritt, to travel to the house with him. He says that when they arrived at the house, 
he found that all of the doors were secured and there was no answer at the door when they knocked. So Todd Williams calls Linda Matthews back and says, hey, all the doors and windows seem to be secured. There's vehicles here. I'm not getting an answer knocking on the door. What do you want me to do? She tells them, can you figure out a way to get inside the house? He decides to get a chisel from his truck and using the chisel, he pried the screen off of a window located on the north side of the residence near the carport and then pried open the window. Todd Williams stated that he was able to gain entry into the residence and stated that after gaining entry into said residence, he walked through the kitchen and into the living room and found both Norma Woodruff and Dennis Woodruff deceased. He stated that he exited the residence and he called the Hunt County Sheriff's Office to report their findings. If you're looking for more garage check out our bonus show called off the record on stitcher premium and for all of our old episodes a lot of chatter about chris watts you can check out our chris watts episode you could check out our west memphis three episodes or the three-part series we did on ted bundy and those are all for free on the stitcher app All right, join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.